there was a need. There were no books. I didn't find no books, no French books that could facilitate the teaching of French. So I had to research and publish a book. The first book I published was French Made Easy. So when I published that book, I took a copy of the book to the rector of the seminary where I was studying philosophy. I gave him the copy of the book. So he was excited. He presented the book in the conference. And during the conference, he said, George Chumbonga was following the footsteps of Bernard Fonlon. I didn't know who Bernard Fallon was. He, he said Bernard Fallon was a Cameroonian who would distinguish himself with his writings in a bigger memorial seminary in Nugu, Nigeria. So George is following his footsteps. <laughs> I didn't know who Bernard Fallon was. So that gave me homework. Why knowledge matters? George Chungpunga, welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Yannick. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to always see your wonderful and inspiring smile. You are here to talk about your recent published book called Professor Bernard von Law Crusaded for Sainthood in Cameroon, Africa, yes. volume number one. What made you write the book in the first place? George. In the first place, Mr. Yannick, before I answer that question, I would like to thank you for the interest uh, you have in uh, in uh, what I've been doing. You know, it's uh, I still have very good memories of you at St. Paul University, Ottawa, when we met, and uh, thank you for what you are doing. I really appreciate it. With regards to your question, uh, Professor Bernard von Long, is uh, the first English-speaking Cameroonian to earn a PhD in 1961. So he's the first bilingual. When he came back from uh, Ireland after having earned a PhD, he was immediately he was immediately hired by the then president of uh, President Amadou Aijo, the first president of Cameroon, as his interpreter and translator because he knew the two languages. I was not born in 1961. <laughs> But I studied philosophy in Nigeria. I am from Cameroon, but I studied philosophy in Nigeria. So while studying philosophy in Nigeria, I published my first book titled French Made Easy. I was invited by the Faculty of Philosophy to lecture. I was, I was a student, seminarian, philosophy student, but I was invited by the faculty, the then Dean of Studies of Philosophy, to lecture French in the Faculty of Philosophy because the lecturer was sick and had been uh, operated upon. So I began teaching French to the second year philosophers. I was in first year. So while teaching them French, there was a need, there were no books. I didn't find no books, no French books that could facilitate the teaching of French. So I had to research and publish a book. The first book I published was French Made Easy. So when I published that book, I took a copy of the book to the rector of the seminary where I was studying philosophy. I gave him the copy of the book. So he was excited. He presented the book in the conference. And during the conference, he said, George Chumbonga was following the footsteps of Bernard Fonlon. 
I didn't know who Benan Fallon was. He, he said Benan Fallon was a Cameroonian who would distinguish himself with his writings in a bigger memorial seminary in Nugu, Nigeria. So George is following his footsteps. <laughs> I didn't know who Benan Fallon was. So that gave me homework. It, in fact, it was an embarrassment for me that I did not know who Benan Fallon was, a Cameroonian, why other people were, were, were talking about him. So I put myself into work. I started investigating who this man was. Started reading about him. And uh, that was the first experience. The second experience was during holidays, I went to Oweri. And Oweri is, uh, is in Imo State. That's about, uh, it's not far from Ikotekwene, where I was. So when I went there for holidays, I got to meet a Monsignor who was a classmate of Benan Fonlong. He was a classmate of Benan Fonlong in the seminary at, at Bigard. So he told me so many good things about Fonlong. He said, oh, I'm so happy. Where, uh, what about his course of beatification? He told me wonderful anecdotes because he, he, he was his classmate. That was the second experience I had with Fonlong. The last was when I went to Rome. You know, before going to Canada, I did theology in Rome at the Auburn University. And when I got there, I had an audience with Cardinal Arinze. Cardinal Francis Arinze is a Nigerian cardinal who is resident in Vatican. In fact, he turned 90 years uh, uh, on the 1st of November. So I, I, I requested an audience to meet Cardinal Arinze. And when I met Cardinal Arinze, the first thing he asked me was, where has the process of Benan Fonlong uh, reached his process of beatification? This is the third person talking to me about Benan Fonlong. So these three experiences is what inspired me to do a research on Benan Fonlong. I don't know if I've answered that question. These three experiences of first with the rector in Nigeria, second with the classmate of Benan Fonlong, and third with Cardinal Arinze, who knew Benan Fonlong very well in the seminary at Bigat. So these three experiences inspired me to do a research on him to crusade for his beatification. This is really inspiring. So basically, it happened somehow to you, for you, and really for all of us in order to learn more about uh, Bernard um, Follon. Yes. What was the biggest challenge in writing the book? The biggest challenge in writing the book was the, 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 the distances. I had to travel so many distances to meet people who knew Benan Fonlong to interview them. You know, it was a scientific research. So I had to travel to Nigeria. It was during the COVID-19. It was a terrible period to travel, but I took the risk. <laughs> I flew from Germany to Cameroon. I interviewed Professor Lantum, who was the best friend of Benan Fonlong. Land, uh, Professor Lantum was about 89 years, 87 years old then. So he, he barely spoke, but he was still very, very mentally uh, uh, mentally active. So he, he narrated to me his experience with Benan Fonlong. So I interviewed him. I also interviewed a student whom Benan Fonlong gave a scholarship to study in, Rus in Russia, uh, Chief Alemanji. So I also interviewed a lecturer, senior Alemkong Richard, I also interviewed Cardinal Christian Tumi before his demise, before he died. Cardinal Christian Tumi was a pupil of Benan Fallon. Benan Fallon taught him. 
So you can imagine. So I met all these people. And unfortunately, Cardinal uh, uh, Tumi is of late. Uh, Professor Lantum is of late. So you can imagine what would have happened if I didn't meet these people. Their testimonies are very, very uh, are of primordial importance, which I recorded. They are all on my channel on YouTube. And I documented and I have published the book. So that was in Cameroon. In Nigeria, I interviewed uh, uh, Monsignor uh, Agiazo Alfonsus, who was a classmate of Ben Alfonso. I interviewed the Bishop of Uyo. I interviewed Cardinal Onaikon. I interviewed the Monsignor, other Monsignors which I interviewed. So there is a long list of people I interviewed who knew Ben Alfonso. So and all these people testified that he lived a, a life of heroic virtues. He distinguished himself. First as a seminarian, he hardly went for breakfast, always studying Greek and Hebrew. He, he was a very, very <laughs> materially detached from material things. His own was the mind. How do you form the mind? How do you live a holy life? You know? So that was it. So that was in. So you can imagine the difficulty traveling to Nigeria, no, to Cameroon during the COVID-19. In fact, I didn't even know that I needed a, I needed a COVID uh, test. I needed to be negative to fly. I didn't know until I got to Brussels and I was refused to board the plane. Can you imagine that? I slept at the airport in Brussels. I had to, uh, to, to do the COVID test and I had to fly the following day. So all these difficulties I went through because of Ben Anfon. And then in Cameroon, I had to uh, go to Nigeria through the flying boat. Flying boat is a boat where you cross the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> three hours in the Atlantic Ocean to get to Nigeria. So these are some of the difficulties I went through. And then I finished, went back to Cameroon and flew back to Germany and then went to Rome, to the Vatican, to interview Cardinal Francis Arinze, who knew Benan Fonlong. So these are some of the difficulties I went through, difficulties of traveling, you know, during the COVID-19 period. But I did it so courageously with 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 undescribable faith, you know, my, my my faith was I couldn't describe it. You know, I, I wanted this thing to be done. <laughs> I yes. mean, it's so inspiring. Uh, given the challenges, really, like the tangible uh, challenge you went through during the COVID, because everyone knows it's so. It was so annoying to travel with all these tests, and hopefully, you know, it's. Um, I, I I think we are on on better in in better waters. Now, what was the most touching testimony that you heard about Bernard Follon? The most touching uh, testimony that I heard about Bernard Follon. Well, the first is his experience with Cardinal uh, Arinze. Cardinal Arinze. Cardinal Arinze noted in, in fact, Cardinal Arinze wrote a two-page uh, tribute on him. And one of the things that touched me so much about uh, uh, about Professor Benan Fonlong was his was his high degree of detachment from material things. According to him, he didn't believe that material things uh, was the most important. He was totally detached from material things. In fact, Cardinal Arinze recounts uh, a situation in which they were eating together, and he was so immersed in the discussion that he he even forgot that he had eaten. So you can imagine that of a person who, who is so who is not distracted by materialistic things, but who is so so imbibed in his mind, you know, uh, the, the, the the things that really matter. And that really touched me. 
And then the another thing that touched me was uh, uh, the, 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 the interview I had with Monsignor Alfonso's Aguiar, who was his classmate. Because Professor Fonlon was to be ordained a priest together with Alfonso Aguiar, but he was stopped for ordination in on the morning of the ordination. So his 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 he he he, he his, uh, the way he reacted to his uh, not being permitted for ordination was so outstanding. He kept calm, continued doing what he had to do. Uh, during the first month of his classmate, he went for the ordination. And when his classmate, Monsignor Francis, had to go back to Enugu, he stopped in Onicha, slept in his house. The following day, Fon Long served the mass, served his mass. So you can imagine that really touched me, that this is a man who is not overtaken by difficulties, who knows that God has a plan for everybody and his divine providence never fails. So this testimony is really touched me and uh, and gave me a great sense of resilience that in life uh, despite what happens to you you just have to know that god has a plan for you yes those are the two main uh, testimonies that really touched me what was the greatest joy to you during the process of writing because i assume it was also a very difficult process I have a gift of writing. I easily write things. And uh, I, I have this great ability to be disposed to write. I can spend the whole day in my room writing without going out. I, I, it's just part of me. I have that passion to write. So uh, that is what really helped me to transcribe all the interviews I had. I had to put them into paper to transcribe each of them. You can imagine how painstaking it is and how Herculean. It is, but uh, it was really a difficult uh, moment, but I did it with a lot of passion. <laughs> Why should people read your book about Bernard Follon? People should read my book about Bernard Follon because first, the aim of that book is to crusade his beatification. In fact, I have written two open letters to the Bishop of Kumbo. Monsignor George Nkuo, about the, 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 the importance of launching the cause of beatification of Benan Fonlon. First, this man was a layman in politics. He distinguished himself. You can imagine an ex-seminarian coming into politics with the luggage of formation. Seminary formation consists of spiritual formation, um, uh, spiritual, human, um, spiritual human formation, pastoral formation, and uh, there are four of them. There are four of them. You have the spiritual, you have the human, you have the pastoral, and you have the... Mm, intellectual formation. <laughs> so you can imagine somebody who was formed with those four uh it's a holistic formation spiritual pastoral uh human and intellectual so with all this luggage from seminary formation he came into politics and distinguished himself as a selfless minister in fact he was minister uh during the regime of uh of uh, president amadou Aijo, and he distinguished himself by leaving the heroic virtues always coming to time uh, at the office he was a very simple man, very, very accessible. 
You see ministers today, you can't even you can't even get to them. You can't even meet them because they are they are up there. But Fonlon was a very simple man, approachable, and 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 of service, always walking, walking. So people need to buy my book to discover more of this man, this Cameroonian uh, uh, man who distinguished himself with the heroic virtues in in politics. He was a Christian and an intellectual in politics. How did Bernard Fallon influence your thinking? Bernard Fallon has influenced my thinking and way of life totally. From when I was in Nigeria, and uh, and uh, he has really taught me, you know, the right way of life, the things that really matter. My way of dressing, my way of thinking, my way of he has influenced my way of writing too, because I, I am. Whenever I write, I'm motivated by, by, by his writings, you know, by his discipline, his self-discipline, and his total uh, uh, entrega. You say in Spanish, entrega, entrega. Total self-giving, total, he gives himself totally for whatever he wants to do. So I've been totally influenced by that. I've uh, all the books you see I'm writing and publishing about people. I just recently published another book about Cardinal Arinze, 90th birthday, first script. Two volumes have been published already. So you can imagine. So Fonlong is influencing me to, to, to give my life for others, to write for others, to promote others, to speak about others. You know, because he did too. He wrote so many books about people. And um, he was a researcher and he loved to document. He was always writing down things that happened. If you want to go to Cameroon now and you want to know what happened in Cameroon, from the 60s when he came back, to 80s when he died, you just have to take the cultural review called Abia. This was a cultural review book, almost 600 pages, which used to be published every month. So if Fonlon was the editor-in-chief and the founder of that, uh, of that uh, Cameroon review. So you can imagine the, the documentation about culture, about different sciences, you know, which he put together every, uh, once every month. At times, it was once every year, depending on the articles that came in from various authors, you know. So I think I'm following his footsteps. And that's why I had to establish this NGO, non-profit organization, research, documentation, language, and culture. Kofono was a man of culture. He was a man of research. He was a man of language. He could speak many languages. In fact, he was the minister of, uh, of missions, of foreign affairs. So he knew he, he, he could manipulate many languages and cultures. <laughs> so I think I'm trying to follow his footsteps, try to yeah. emulate. Yeah, absolutely. Because you are also a multilingual. I think you speak fluently eight languages, isn't it? <laughs> I always feel ashamed when people ask me that. I tell them, well, I, 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 I the passion I had for languages began. It was from childhood. You know, I was exposed to so many missionaries who came in Balmayo, we had many missionaries from, from Italy. They were, I used to listen to the way they would speak Italian. Oh my God, Spanish, German. I said, God, I would love to speak with these people in their language. So I started learning those languages gradually and traveled to these various countries and that was how I was able to dominate them. <laughs> you were really a multi-talent. I mean, this is, this is for sure. What made you become a man of 
faith. The first thing that made me become a man of faith is my family. They say that the first church is the family. The first church, that's where you learn about the faith. That's where you are, you are, <clears throat> that's where you are, you are, you are, what's the right English word? Uh, you, you are groomed, you know, you are brought up. So my family is a very, very Catholic family. My father taught me how to say the rosary. My, every Sunday we went to church. We, we live very close to the cathedral of Balmayo, where I was born. In fact, Balmayo, the first bishop of Balmayo is the very first bishop of Central Africa. The first black indigenous bishop of Central Africa, Bishop Paul Etoga. So as a small boy, I used to serve on mass close to the, to the cathedral where we lived and uh, associated myself a lot with the uh, priest, my parish priest, Monsignor, now Father Engel by Mayongo. I was very close to priest and that was why I went to the minor seminary in Bishop Ogan, the major seminary in Nigeria. And uh, so that really not, not, not showed my vocation. And my, my, my knowledge of God. And when I studied theology in Rome, oh my God, that was the apex. That was the apex. Theology is the science of God. We had powerful professors. Oh, Gagano. Gagano was, an, was total spirituality. When he teaches you spirituality, you can just die. You can just say, oh, I, I don't need to live anymore. This man has, 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 oh, has satisfied my spirit. You know, Gagano. Oh, when, <laughs> when Gagano used to come to class, Vovolete Capi, Chokisto di Gendo, Ragazzi, you know, oh, this man, he was a, he's a Benedictine, Benedictine priest, an expert in theology. So, with all these professors, why, why would you think that <laughs> you would not be affected? They were like fire, fire, people would touch you. The most astounding was uh, Professor Ebulefu. John Ebulefu is a Nigerian professor. Oh my God. He was formed in Germany. Uh, Kargana was his professor. Can you imagine Kargana, the German Kargana? And then later on, uh, he got to know uh, uh, Radzinga, then Radzinga, who was in, uh, the professor in Munster, who is now uh, Benedict uh, the 16th Emeritus. Where you, where you really uh, did your PhD, University of Munster, right? Exactly. That's where I'm doing. I, I just submit. Uh, I did my. Uh, that's where I was enrolled for the PhD in Munster, which is a very unique university in Germany. It's a very, very. Uh, it's an outstanding and world-renowned university, especially in the domain of theology. So these professors, my family, and the people I interact with, they have nurtured my vocation and my knowledge of God. And you are really the best testimony. You are truly something different you know your energy your love for people your passion for theology <laughs> for studying for inquiry it's truly when i talk to you when i see you you truly um show me what gandhi always preached right or preached yes. in the sense that you have to to be the change that you want to see in the world and so exactly. therefore i am i'm extremely pleased that george talking to you today What makes you feel alive? What makes me feel alive is what I am contributing for others. It's what I'm impacting into the society. For me, there's nothing that satisfies me more than that, especially in the demand of, that's why you say I'm so passionate about writing. There's no oh, satisfaction that I have than when my articles are published, when I publish a book. It's so, it's, it makes me alive. It makes me, 
it confirms that I am contributing. I'm giving out something for others. You know, I teach in I, I teach uh, French, Spanish, German to so many people free of charge on Skype. You know, so when I do that and they and, and they speak the language, they I, I I was a teacher in Mexico of French English, and in when I go back to Mexico and my students want to organize a party. Uh, they speak English with me, they speak French with me. Some of them are in France, you know. I, I feel so satisfied that I was able to give out something for free. Not necessarily for money making, you know. That what that's what really makes me alive. To contribute, to to share my talent to others and to promote others. I like to promote others. You see, my encomiums um are mostly about others. I, I, I like to draw out the virtues of others and promote them. Yes. <laughs> That's what makes me alive. <laughs> I can't wait to read one day a book about yourself. I'm sure <laughs> one day someone comes and writes a book about you. That's 100% worthwhile, I'm sure. George, George, yes, Chombonga, thank you so much for being on it, the show. It's it, it's my honor, and I really thank you too for. For, you know, when you started sending me messages about this, I thought you were joking. So I was so impressed that I also praise your committedness. What you are doing now is trying to share your talents too and your gifts. So that's admirable. So thank you very much. George Nchombonga. Yes. <laughs> I like it's amazing. That's why knowledge.